0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Uh, joining me today is Leanna Gardner. She's an award-winning author. Her book is Speak No Evil. There are 443,000 children living in foster care in America, and they are four times more likely to be sexually abused than children not living in foster care. This is according to a study by Johns Hopkins University. Leanna Gardner explores the unfortunate reality and the lingering trauma of child abuse within the foster care within the foster care system in her latest work of fiction. In the Me Too era, as more and more women speak out against their abusers, silence is no longer the only option. Her gripping story is a troubling reminder of the strength it takes to survive and testify to your own truth. She's a two-time Teen Choice Award-winning author for her Misfit McCabe series. In addition to writing, she holds down a full-time job with an international transportation company as a process and efficiency expert. Uh, welcome to the show, Leanna. Nice to have you here.
1: It's nice to be here, Catherine.
0: Well, the topic, of course, is one that many people decide not to tackle. It's frightening, it's scary, and as you say in the in, uh uh, as I've seen, I've heard you say, obviously online and, uh, descriptions of your book that, uh, abuse is something that's just been hidden, you know, especially with children, with children, teenagers is, 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 really something that's been hidden. And children have been afraid to talk about it, to tell anyone about it. If this has happened to him or her in, particularly in, in foster care situations, Me Too movement, as I said, uh, has, Change this slightly. It's just beginning to change. Um, why did you decide to tackle this particular issue in the way you have in this book, uh, in this in your in your novel, in this fictional novel?
1: The reason for tackling it is, it, 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 as a fiction writer, most of my characters come to me and, and they present me with their story, and that's really where we start. And with the the character in this case, uh, Melody Fisher, she's 16 years old, and she presented me with this really unique concept of somebody who had stopped speaking and just completely stopped communicating with anyone because of the amount of trauma that she had been through and that when she's going through therapy, she begins to communicate through the medium of music and I just thought that was a very, very powerful concept and then as I dug into the story, you know, it's it, it, we were fleshing things out, um, found that there are so many things ab- about that, that silence That from a child's perspective is so very true. Even with today's times and the Me Too movement, um, children are more likely to remain silent. They're more likely to be uh, told by their abusers. The threats are used. They are silenced. They are isolated by their abusers. Ninety percent, I believe, uh, of the children who are abused know their abuser. It is somebody who is usually an authority figure, although there are some that are peer to peer abuse that happen. So when an authority figure in your life is telling you that, they, that you have to be quiet or there will be consequences. That's, that's something that you tend to do. You are used to obeying this authority figure, even though what they're doing is wrong. They will isolate you again and tell you that they, you cannot say anything. Um, and there's all sorts of tactics that adults use against children in those situations.
0: Well, so I, I mean, just felt an-
1: it was a very important thing that needed to be brought out.
0: Yeah, I mean that, the playing field is definitely not equal. I mean, we're talking about, as, as you say, somebody in the authority and then a child. Uh, think about it when the playing field is, quote, maybe more equal. You have two adults. You have a, and, and just by fact of, let's say, being a woman and having a job or a position, you're afraid to speak out because you're afraid that the person in charge of you is going to, you know, you're going to lose your job or you're going to lose your paycheck. So children, it's even an, you know, I guess, you would or just call it be told a,
1: that it didn't happen,
0: it didn't or happen. that yeah.
1: what you said wasn't true, and have it. What, for for women in particular, I guess all all people who are abused, the very first thing that comes up usually is doubt. Well, did that really happen? Oh, I can't believe that. Those are things that are said to people who have been abused. Um, I think we are we are gaining a culture that is a little bit more into believing, but still, if something happens, you see it in the media all the time. The first thing we do is we attack everything that that person who is speaking up has ever done in their life. What were they wearing? You know, how did they bring this on themselves? And the answer to that is they did nothing to bring it on themselves. We are not putting the blame on the proper party, which is the abuser, it's the abuser's fault. The person who's being abused has no no fault in that whatsoever.
0: This has gone on for so long, and this is something that we have known about for so long. Um, I mean, it, it, why do you think now we're beginning to at least begin to understand you can't blame the victim? There's nothing, as you just said, that a victim did to bring this on. I mean, you you can wear the shortest skirt or you can wear no skirt. That doesn't give someone permission to abuse you or you can, whatever you do doesn't give someone the permission to abuse you in any way, right? I mean, that, that's sort of, the, but we haven't been able right. to, yeah, okay, so we haven't been able to accept that. Why do you think it's taken us so long to get to this point where we say, okay, we're not going to blame, we say it, we still do, um, but... <laughs>
1: exactly, we still, we still are doing it. Yeah. Um, I think that there, we're seeing a slow pendulum to giving the benefit of the doubt to the victim, but there still is, uh, and I, I think it comes down to the way we view these types of crimes. The majority of the crimes are against women, and women are viewed in many situations, and I don't want to come off as like a raging feminist. I'm just talking about what's in the news. We are not treated equally equally. Even in a court system, when you have somebody who has raped a 14-year-old who gets pregnant and keeps her baby and she has to go and fight for custody of that child and the judge gives the rapist father, I, I, biological only in my mind, uh, rights, custody rights to that child, we are living in an extremely warped society.
0: Well, and that's that, just
1: one example. I mean, that's a horrifying example, and that well, happened within the last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, those kinds of examples are, I think, as you say, are pervasive. So, yes. does that come and we just, from- we
1: tend to discount, you know, the the woman as as a person, as having equal value. Oh, we're going to hurt, you know, poor Brock Turner. We hurt his life. Uh, no, Brock Turner made a decision to do something to somebody else that he had no right to do.
0: Well, this, That was we, his decision. That was his decision, and do we have to look at that in the context of our whole culture? We're, we're still into that, and, and I, I, I'm not also speaking as a, a raving feminist, but just the reality, we still are in a patriarchal culture. Um, women yes. are n- not in positions of power I mean there's never been a female president of the United States you can go down and know the list you know there women are not in the c-suites uh, you know you can go on and on right so it's all more, it's, it's all woven into that fabric I guess you would say of our culture right and we just yeah. we'
1: we're having a very tough time overcoming that um, and one and would think that we would have be so much farther, Along this path, because we have been a nation who is led in so many in so many ways in the past, and we still, ha- you know, we're carrying these these baggages. I guess is the best way to put it of the way we think, um, which obviously has got to stop because it doesn't matter the the victim, male female, doesn't matter. Any victim did not invite that. They did not say, hey, I would like for you to come and abuse me.
0: Yeah, well, I think the males, so, I mean, we can just give the example, of, unfortunately, but the Catholic Church and, and, and the young men in the Catholic Church who have yes. been abused, those are men, those aren't women. So, you know, you have the same dynamic going on. Let's, you know, you kind of briefly touched on the dynamic of, of like, what does happen, telling a child that, or it doesn't really happen, or if you tell somebody you're going to, you know, you're going to, people are going to be angry at you. I mean, there's a whole litany of things that uh, abusers tell children. I think one of the myths is and, uh, also is that people think that the, if you tell your child, you have they have to protect them, they have to have some, you know, you want to help your child so that they can protect themselves as well, and that it's, you know, not the boogeyman out there or the guy who, you'd never you'd be afraid to get near it's the it is the teacher the coach the minister the rabbi whoever it is who 90% of the time is the abuser and i don't you think you have to in some ways prepare your kids for that you know it's 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 not going to be the
1: <laughs> i think it's a sad reality which is why there are there are parents who ask me whether their child should read read my book um i I it. it's very much mature topics. There are definitely mature scenes in it. However, if I'm a, a, the parent of a child, I, I, I leave it to the parents, and every parent m- needs to make that decision for their child. Say, say you have a 12- or 13-year-old who would like to read the book. I know I did not write it for that age group. However, as a 12- or 13-year-old, myself, I would have read this type of book, and it would have given me information and knowledge and the reality of recognizing that nothing that Melody does in the book is inviting that behavior and that it shows it in that context of it was wrong, and when she's blaming herself for not having spoken up sooner in a situation where it was Uh, you know, her foster father was abusing her, Uh, she blamed herself for not speaking up, but he had threatened her. So it's going through all of the cycle of her having to realize that she was not to blame for this. And I would rather a 12 or 13-year-old, also with discussion, obviously, from the parent, to talk about those heavy items in the book, the, the topics that are advanced, to make sure that they do understand those core reasons. We learn so much from reading fiction. I probably have learned more reading fiction than I ever did reading a textbook. And I'll just be candid about that. I'm a fiction reader, but I pull so much out of it. And I think the human condition is where you're going to find in fiction far more than you are going to find in textbooks. And that's really what fiction is about, is bringing that human condition to the forefront and allowing the reader to experience that in the safety of the pages between the covers of a book, rather than... Having to experience that for the first time in person. So, yes, if a 13, you feel that your 13 year old is mature enough to handle the topics and you would have that discussion with them, I would say yes, absolutely. I would love them to read the book so that they are able to understand and deal with things should it happen to them. Because let's face it, 12- and 13-year-old girls or, and boys are being raped. They don't have that context of anything telling them that that's okay. They just know this awful thing has happened to them. and They're, they're the prime, they're and going I'm going to interrupt you because I
0: think that they are, prime, they are the prime one of the prime targets for abusers. And as you said, I think it's important. Definitely. Your book is important. The topics that are brought, I mean, if you're going to talk about abuse, it's always going to, it's an uncomfortable topic. So reading your book in the context of with your mother or father or whoever your person is, the adult person who takes care of you, is really critical because I think some, like, reading a book and, and you bring up all of the these issues that we've been talking about in the interview, children even have other issues that come up and maybe even children who have been abused and the and whoever, the, the parents, the partners have not been aware of it, it will maybe surface. It gives you an opportunity. It gives you something to, you know, the child to maybe hold on to. So that's important too. You never know what's going to come out of the conversation when they read uh, a work exactly. of fiction like it, yours it right? provides
1: a platform for discussion and it takes some of that uncomfortability out of the discussion because you're talking about fictional characters or at least that's where the discussion starts and as long as the discussion is starting that to me is a very good thing because again I really feel very strongly that with the target of with the 12- to 18-year-olds being the biggest target of abuse, abuse victims, that they are the ones who need something to help them work through those those feelings and situations. So, yes, if you, if you are somebody who has been abused, then you need to make that decision whether you're going to be okay reading this particular book. I can't make that decision for anybody else um, so, you know, call it a trigger warning, if you will. Um, I look at it as a platform for, for discussion and for, you know, if you aren't able to discuss it with anybody, then perhaps this is a, a platform for you to learn and understand that it wasn't your fault and maybe you can seek help from somebody else if you're not comfortable with the people that are directly in your life at that particular time.
0: You know, I understand. Obviously, you've gotten a lot of rave reviews about your book. How about any? Are there any? Any? I don't want to say not rave reviews, but any critiques or criticisms that of 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 your book that that you care to discuss? Um, that have. Yeah.
1: Um, I I think so far we have had one negative review uh, that came from uh, the the trades and. Um, I really felt that the reviewer either skimmed the book uh, and did not read it fully because the things that they were complaining about in the book were, were something that everyone else is highlighting as being handled very well. Uh, I, you know, it's been... Many of the reviews bring out that the situations that are dealt with in the book are strong, but they're handled delicately. And... This particular review, now, it was changed, but at the time we were given the original copy on it, it had the words in there that said that the rape scenes were evocative of erotica, and I'm forgetting the exact phrase that they used um, at at that time, but and, and, and to put it into a context that, for me, is just absolutely absurd, you cannot say in any way, oh, they, they called it a consensual bodice ripper. The rape scene was uh, evocative of a consensual bodice ripper. And I was shocked because there is no way in, on earth that you can put rape and consensual in the same sentence for me. Well, because is, it is not. So, you know, if you felt that I didn't handle it correctly, then fine, say that. But that's why we did have that removed from the review. I did not want that getting out to any of my target audience to think that in any way that those scenes are something that would be considered consensual.
0: Well, maybe that has a lot more to do with the person who's doing the reviewer, uh, rather than the content of the book. What about... In this, Are, are there any um, connection, I don't know if the word is connection, between your own life experiences in writing this book, your own experiences, either you individually or people that you're very, or people that, or family or friends that you're very close to?
1: Well, I I don't think anybody can walk the face of the earth these days and not know somebody who has been abused in some way. Um, I do have, in my past, I was raped, um, and it's something that I have always been very candid about talking about. It, it's something I dealt with in my own way at the time. I never accepted any blame for it. I was actually asleep at the time that it I'll happened. How old you? So, I, I was over at a friend's house, and, you know, we had been out, and... We came back and crashed, and that's when it happened, and I was asleep. So, you know, for for that, I always knew that that was not anything to do with anything that I was doing. So from that standpoint, though, I do understand there is, even though I knew that in my head, there's still that little bit of guilt that I had to kind of deal with of... Again, you go through well, maybe I shouldn't have gone out, maybe I shouldn't have crashed at a friend's place. And then when you say those things out loud, you hear how ridiculous they sound. I have every right to go out and have a good time with friends. I have every right to go out and crash, you know, and crash at a friend's place. I should not have to be on guard when I'm asleep against rape. That's just the bottom line, in in my opinion. So I did confront my uh, attacker. I did go to the police. I knew that nothing was would be done, but I wanted to make sure that his name was on record so that when he raped the next girl, because I knew there would be a next, that his name would come up.
0: Well, two things. I think that self-doubt, as you say, is really not based on rational thinking. How can it be, right? So those... Little, exactly. Yeah. So that's, I think that's normal. Actually, I mean that's that, that is a normal response. But uh, did he rape again?
1: I don't know. I cut all ties to that particular group of people um, because it was not a good situation. Uh, some of the other guys in the group uh, started saying, "Well, they were going to go down to the police and tell them that I was a rapist." Okay, that's so not exactly helping the situation, but okay. Yeah. And I so did how did you get your support? How know. did you?
0: Uh, I, I How did you get the support? Like, how did you get the confidence? I guess it doesn't sound like you had much support to go down and to report this. Maybe you did. Maybe there were people who helped support you, but
1: I have a I'm, very good family structure, and I, I actually my brothers were ready to go and. Uh,
0: I can imagine
1: <laughs> do damage. We'll just say do damage. I don't know how much they would have done. Um, I refused for their benefit to let them know any of the specific details because I did not want them going to jail because they would have gone to jail and he would have walked free. So I I just felt that it was important. It was more important to make sure that he was known for that type of activity so that when it does happen again in the future that there would be a record of it.
0: Uh, and I d- you're- I,
1: a friend went with me, and uh, so I have, I have a very good network of support.
0: But your decision making and the choices you made just sound, sound so sound. It just in the context of what happened to you, you, you made these good choices like and even with being threatened by the rest of the group whoever was at the house or whatever but uh yeah and you still had support you say you obviously you had support from your family but still even given that there's something that i don't know if the word is courageous or you're just you know you make good choices that's just who you are but like you say to just have this person's name on record at least at the very least so that um so that it's out there um, how old were you to be able to do all of this or to make these decisions?
1: I was in my early 20s
0: mm-hmm.
1: at the time. Um, and I, I think what it boils down to was he already took enough from me. He was not going to take my self-respect, not one ounce of it. And that's, that was kind of like my driver. Um so if you want to call it a little bit of a rage driver <laughs> behind that the decision making I just he already he took too much he took more than he ever should have and it was stopping with that I was not going to let him take anything else from me
0: So you were in your early 20s and I'm thinking about this in the, also obviously in the context of your book uh the character is what 16 you said but um when when this happens to children, I mean, it, it seems almost impossible that they could be able, the, the, you know, the, the, the road to being no, able I, to... No, I do yeah. think,
1: I agree with you. I, to have that as, as a teenager, I, I'd, that would be a very rare individual who would have that much confidence to go ahead, um, which again is another reason f- for the book. I, I feel very strongly about that. Because I think you get to the end and you understand that there was no control, and she had to speak out at this point so and you know the whole book is geared toward her speaking out about another incident that had happened, and she had she had not spoken for two years uh so she had to speak out at that point
0: well um Liana, it's a very compelling read, so we have a couple minutes left. So let's give readers an opportunity to purchase the book. So talk to us about websites we can go to that will we can access the book. Obviously, I assume it's on bookstores everywhere and Amazon. Yes. Um, and also website uh, that, um, you know, more information website, about you. The website I
1: will give you are speaknoevilnovel.com. So it's the title of the book, Speak No Evil Novel. dot com, and my site, which is Leanna Gardner. dot com. So the author name. dot com. So pretty easy, I, I would think. Except for I, I would figure more people will find it through Speak dot com because it's easier to spell than my name.
0: <laughs> okay. Are you speaking at any bookstores? And in, in, uh, I s- assume you do a book tour around the country.
1: I, uh, I have a couple bookstore signings coming up. I will be at Barnes and Noble in Fullerton, California on November 2nd. I will be at the Huntington Beach Barnes and Noble, uh, also California, on the 16th, and then we'll be doing a high school um, signing on the 21st or 22nd.
0: Great. Thanks November. so much. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today and, and sharing all the... Thank you any, for having yeah, me. Yeah, it it was, was great. It
1: was very good to talk to yeah. you.
0: Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.
1: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel.